But if we could, with the Lord's help and the Lord's enabling, this morning, if we could, for a short while, turn back to that portion of Scripture that we read in the Gospel according to Matthew in chapter 24. <clears throat> the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 24, and if we read again at verse 42. Matthew 24, verse 42, where Jesus is speaking here and he says, Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would have not let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect and particularly that verse verse 44 therefore you also must be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect <clears throat> now the reason we're focusing upon the second coming of jesus this morning is because for the past few weeks our island and our nation and indeed probably the whole world We've been focusing upon the first time that Jesus came into the world. We've been focusing upon the incarnation and uh, the birth of Jesus. And we've been focusing upon what is called the first advent, the first coming of Jesus into the world. And I'm sure, well, if you have children or grandchildren, maybe you gave uh, advent an advent calendar uh, to your children to count down the, the days until we remember uh, the first advent. And I'm sure that we've all heard a lot about the first advent over the past while. But with Christmas now over and the celebration of the first advent now past, I think it's appropriate and fitting for us to think about the second advent. Because I believe that we don't think about the second coming of Jesus enough. And when we don't think about the second coming, we don't live in light of the second coming. Because I believe that if we lived our lives in light of the second coming, we would live our lives very differently to the way we do. We would be more dedicated to the Lord. We would be more committed to his cause. We would be ready for his coming. And you know, it's interesting that there's no specific command in the Bible to remember and to prepare for the first advent of Christmas. But there are many chapters in the Bible telling us to prepare and to be ready for the second advent. And what we see here in Matthew's gospel is that there are two chapters. Two chapters devoted to the second advent of Jesus. Because Matthew chapter 24 and 25, they are the words of Jesus. And they were said in response to a question that was asked by the disciples about the second advent. Because way back in verse 3 of chapter 24, <clears throat> the disciples say, Tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign of your coming, and of the close of the age. And what Jesus gave to the disciples through chapter 24 and chapter 25 was a sermon. A sermon all about the second coming. It was a sermon all about the second advent of Jesus Christ, and the need to be ready for his coming. And I believe that verse 44 in chapter 24, that's a key verse in Jesus' sermon 
on the second coming. Therefore you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And this is a key verse because it alludes to everything before this verse. And it, alludes, it highlights everything that's going to come after this verse. It's a key verse. And I'd like us just to consider uh, this verse within its context. Uh, I'd like us to consider it this morning under just three headings. The preparation for his coming. The person who is coming. And the prospect of his coming. The preparation for his coming. The person who is coming. And the prospect of his coming. So we look first of all at the preparation for his coming. Look at that key verse. Verse 44. Therefore you, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming. At an hour you do not expect. As we said, this verse, it's a key verse in Jesus' sermon on the second advent because it draws our attention to everything before and after this verse. And what Jesus says before this verse is that prior to the second coming, there will be many who lead Christians astray. But not only that, Jesus says, if you read through chapter 24, he says that there will be wars and rumors of wars. He says nation will rise against nation. Kingdom will rise against kingdom. There will be famines. There will be earthquakes. There will be tribulation. There will be persecution for the Christian. The church will be hated. Jesus says that there will be many false prophets who rise up. And the church will grow cold. And the church will be apathetic towards its mission. But more than that, Jesus says, When the abomination of desolation takes place, you will know that all these things are true. And the abomination of desolation, it's already taken place. It took place not long after Jesus' death. Because the temple in Jerusalem, it was used to worship false gods. That was the abomination of desolation. And then after that, the temple was destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans. And you know, don't you find it remarkable that when you look at Jerusalem today, you look at Zion's hill, that the Bible speaks so favorably about that was the hill upon which the temple stood and it had stood there since the time of Solomon and that was the place where the Lord's people gathered year after year they came century after century to worship the Lord they went to Zion's hill and yet Zion's hill it's now the home of Muslims and it's the, lo the location of a mosque and Jesus says that all these things will come to pass before the end but you know, this key verse, verse 44, it not only draws our attention to what Jesus said before this verse, it also draws our attention to what Jesus said after this verse. <clears throat> because when you go into chapter 25, still Jesus' sermon, and Jesus in chapter 25, he's telling three parables. Three parables in, the, in relation to the second coming. And the first parable, if, if your Bible has headings, you'll see that it's the parable of the ten virgins. And the parable of the ten virgins. It was about ten virgins. Who were waiting for the arrival. Of the bridegroom. And Jesus says that these ten virgins. Out of these ten virgins. There was five wise. And there were five foolish. And the five wise virgins. They were wise. Because they were prepared for the arrival. Of the bridegroom. But the five foolish virgins. Were not. And when the bridegroom came. Uh, the foolish virgins, they were too late 
and the door of the marriage feast was shut on them. It says there, he answered them, truly I say to you, I do not know you. That's the story of the virgins. I do not know you. And so when Jesus told the parable of the ten virgins, Jesus emphasizes the need to be prepared for the second coming. But then in the next parable, the parable of the talents, Jesus emphasizes the need to be faithful until the second coming. Because in the parable of the talents, Jesus condemns the unfaithful servant who buried his talent and he hid it in the ground. But Jesus also commends the faithful servants who put their talents to good use for the expansion of the master's kingdom. And that's what Jesus wants from us. He wants faithful servants who will not bury their talents, but use them and multiply them for the expansion and the extension of Christ's kingdom. But then the final parable in Matthew chapter 25, it's the parable of the sheep and the goats. And Jesus says, he says, well, first of all, he's talking about those who are prepared for the second coming, those who are faithful until the second coming. And then he says in the last parable that these people will be separated at the second coming. Jesus says that when the Son of Man comes in his glory, he will gather all the nations and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. But for those on his left, he will say, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And Jesus says, And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And you know, when you consider... Jesus' sermon on the second coming. When you consider what Jesus says before and after verse 44. When you consider what Jesus is saying about Christians being led astray. And wars and rumors of wars. And nations rising against nation. And kingdom against kingdom. And famines and earthquakes and tribulation. And persecution and the abomination of desolation. And the parable of the ten virgins. And the parable of the talents. And the parable of the sheep and the goats. And the final judgment. When you consider what Jesus says before and after this one verse. You realize that what he's saying. Is that in light of all that's going to take place. You must be ready. You must be ready. Therefore you also must be ready. For the son of man is coming. At an hour you do not expect. You must be ready. And when Jesus says you must be ready. This is a must of necessity. This is a must of necessity. And the must of necessity. It's used time and time again. uh, Throughout the gospels. Jesus said as he was going to the cross. The son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day rise again. Jesus said the gospel must be proclaimed to all the nations. You must not be like the hypocrites, Jesus said. You must worship in spirit and in truth. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day because the night is coming when no one can work. You must be born Again, it's the must of necessity. 
And Jesus is saying here in his sermon on the second advent, you must be ready. You must be ready. This is not optional. This is not a pick and choose statement. This is not take it or leave it. This is not something you should just pass up or put off. This is a must of necessity. Jesus is saying, you must be ready. You must be prepared. My friend, you must. You must be prepared for the second coming of Jesus. Because as Jesus says, there is a Persian coming. There is a Persian coming. And that's what I'd like us to see secondly. We've considered in this, in this verse the preparation for his coming. We must be ready. But secondly, the person who is coming. The person who is coming. Jesus says, therefore, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. <clears throat> this pivotal verse, in this verse, Jesus, he not only emphasizes that we must be ready for his coming. He also explains who will appear at his coming. And this is significant because Jesus uses a specific title to refer to himself. He says the son of man will appear. And the title son of man, it's used in two ways in the Bible. It's used to emphasize the humanity of Jesus, that God became man. Jesus Christ is really both God and man. But this title, the Son of Man, it's also used to identify Jesus as the Messiah. He is God's anointed Savior. But what's interesting is that this title, Son of Man, it was first used in the book of Daniel. It was used in Daniel, in Daniel chapter 7. And in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel is given this vision. And it's a vision of the final judgment. Daniel says, I saw in the night visions, <clears throat> and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Daniel was given a vision of the final judgment when the Messiah, the Son of Man, when he will stand with all authority in heaven and on earth and he will stand before us all as king and as judge. And now as those with New Testament spectacles on, we know that the Son of Man has already been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And we know that he was given all authority in heaven and on earth because he was humiliated and he was exalted. Jesus was humiliated at his incarnation. He became man. God became man. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 2 that even though Jesus was in the form of God and he was equal with God, he made himself nothing. He took upon himself the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of man. And he humbled himself. He humiliated himself by becoming obedient. And being obedient unto death. Even the death on the cross. The son of man was humiliated. Because he came from the crown of glory. To the cradle in Bethlehem. 
to the cross of Calvary. He, the Son of Man went down, down, down from glory to Golgotha. The Son of Man, he came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. But the Son of Man, he was not only humiliated. Not only humiliated to the point of death. But he was also highly exalted. He was also highly exalted. He was, he was raised from the dead. And in his, in his exaltation, he was given a name which is above every other name. And Paul tells us that it's at the name of Jesus. Every knee in heaven and on earth and in hell, they will all bow and confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Son of Man was humiliated to the point of death. But he was exalted to glory. And this is what Daniel prophesied would happen. He prophesied that this would happen 500 years before Jesus was even born. He prophesied that the Son of Man would be given an everlasting dominion and glory. And a kingdom that would not be destroyed. And that the Son of Man would be one in which all peoples... All nations, all languages, they would bow down and serve. He would be the one to whom every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and in hell and confess that he is Lord. And because of this, because the Son of Man has been humiliated and exalted, do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says in Acts 17 that God commands Everyone, everywhere, to repent. Because of the humiliation and the ex exaltation of Jesus, God commands everyone, everywhere, to repent. And we are to repent because God has fixed a day. This is what Acts 17 says. God has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. And he will judge the world by a man whom he has appointed. And Act 17 says that God has given assurance of this to us by raising him from the dead. We can be certain that the judgment of God will take place because the grave is empty. We know that God has fixed a day because Jesus is risen. My friend, the Son of Man, he was humiliated and he was exalted. And that at his coming, he will judge the world. And you know, that's the emphasis that Jesus is making here in his sermon on the second coming. He says back in verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds. From one end of heaven to the other. This is vivid picture of what's going to happen when Jesus returns. And then at the end of chapter 25, Jesus still preaching in a sermon. And he's, he's stressing to us the need to be prepared, the need to be faithful. Because there's going to be a separation. 
He says, chapter 25, verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate them one from the other. You know, that's a solemn statement. He will separate homes and families, children and parents, friends and neighbors. It's a solemn statement. The Son of Man will separate them as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, come. But to those on his left, he will say, depart from me. Oh, my friend, what solemn words, depart from me. I never knew you. My friend, God has fixed a day on which he will judge this world in righteousness. And the solemn reality that the Bible presents to us is that he is coming. And I'm not ashamed to tell you this. Because you know that it's true. And you know that it concerns you. And you know that it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that the judgment. You all know that you must appear. Before the judgment seat of Christ. And give an account. And so we must be ready for his coming. We must be ready whether he comes at the last day of the world. Or whether he comes for you at your last day. In this world. To take you out of the scene of time. Into eternity. You must be ready. Because if this year has taught us anything. Life is uncertain. Death is sure. Sin is the cause. Christ is the cure. My friend you must live your life. In light of the second coming of Christ. Because when you do it will make all the difference. You will live your life prepared. Prepared for eternity. You must live your life ready for the, for the second coming. And the sound of the trumpet. The sound of the trumpet. That's what Jesus said. He will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds. From one end of heaven to the other. You must live your life ready for the sound of the trumpet. And you know I find it interesting that. <clears throat> when it's the Jewish New Year. They sound a trumpet. The trumpet is called the shofar. And the shofar it sounded at the beginning of the New Year. And it sounded they say about 80 times during that day. And their, their New Year isn't uh, tomorrow New, the Jewish New Year is during either September or, or October. But the Jews, they would sound the trumpet throughout that New Year's Day. And you know, I can't help but think that that's the trumpet Jesus is referring to. Because the trumpet, it would be sounded at the beginning of a new year. And uh, for the Jews, the beginning of a new year, it marks a new beginning. The New Year celebrations for a Jew, they would actually begin on the first day and they would continue for, for 10 days until the 10th day, which was the Day of Atonement. And so the sounding of the shofar, the sounding of the trumpet at the New Year, it would mark a new day and, and this new beginning. 
And I believe that that's what Jesus is referring to when he speaks about the second coming. Yes, the second advent will be a day of judgment. In which the risen and exalted son of man will judge the world in righteousness. But the second advent. It will also be a day of vindication. It will be the day on which God will right all wrongs. And vindicate his people. God will bring justice and judgment. On the last day. Because this world which we live in. As we know only too well. It's under the curse of the fall. And this world it's going to be judged according to his righteousness. And it will be on that day that the whole of creation. Is finally set free. Set free from the power of sin and death. It will be on that day that this creation which continually groans because of sin and death. It will be freed from its curse. And the Lord will make all things new. Because the Lord promises on that day. The day when the trumpet sounds. The former things they will pass away. And we're told in the Bible he he will then wipe away all the tears from our eyes. Death will be no more. There will be no more mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. Because the one seated upon the throne of whom Jesus is speaking here, he says, behold, I'm going to make all things new. My friend, the second coming of Christ will be a great day. A great day for the Christian. It will be a great day for the person who is in Christ. And you know, that's how Paul encouraged the Christians in Thessalonica. He encouraged the Thessalonians not to worry about people who had died. He says, we do not mourn as those without hope. Because we believe that Jesus died and he rose again. And because Jesus died and rose again, he says, he's coming back. And Paul says, the Lord himself, he will descend from heaven with a cry of command. With the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ, they will rise first. Then he says, we who are alive, we who are left, when Christ comes, we will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. We will hear the come. Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you. And Paul is saying to the Thessalonians, Comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. Paul encouraged these Christians to be faithful as they awaited the sound of the trumpet. He encouraged them to keep going, to keep persevering, to keep looking to Jesus as they await the sound of the trumpet. But you know, as we count down the hours until the new year, There are only a few hours left. Just 12. And you know everyone in our nation. We're all waiting for the sound of the bells. We're waiting for the sound of the bells to bring in the new year. But who of us is waiting for the sound of the trumpet? We're all waiting for the bells. But who's prepared for the sound of the trumpet? Who is ready For the sound of the trumpet. Are you ready. For the sound. 
of the trumpet. And here is Jesus. And he's saying to us. Therefore you also must be ready. For the son of man is coming. At an hour you do not expect. And so we've considered from this verse. The preparation for his, for his coming. <clears throat> the person who is coming. But lastly I'd like us to consider the prospect. Of his coming. The prospect of his coming. Therefore you also must be ready. For the son of man is coming. At an hour you do not expect. As you know today is. The last day of 2017. And I'm sure that this year has had highs and lows. For each of us. But in only a few short hours. 2017 will be added to the annals of history and will step over the threshold into a new year. And as with every year, there's an element of uncertainty. For some, they may be excited about getting married or having a baby or building a house. But for others, there is the fear of progressing illness. There is aging or even loneliness. And looking back over what has happened in this past year, sometimes we might be tempted to think that, well, if we knew then what we know now, things may have been different. But we can't think like that. Because we know that everything, everything is in the Lord's hands. But our responsibility, as the Bible teaches us, is to keep looking to the Lord and to remain faithful to the Lord. And you know, when it comes to the second coming or the second advent, our responsibility is the same. We have to keep looking to the Lord. And we have to remain faithful to the Lord. Because we do not know when he will come. Concerning that day or hour, says Jesus. No one knows. Not even the angels of heaven. Nor the Son. But the Father only. We don't know the sec when the second advent will be. Just like we, don't know we didn't know when the first advent will be, would be. We might have advent calendars that count down the days of December until Christmas. But no one knew when Jesus would be born. No one knew when the Messiah would come. The Jews, they're still waiting for the Messiah to come. They're still waiting for the first advent. And so like it was for the first advent. The second advent won't be according to our timetable. It will be according to God's timetable. Just like everything is according to God's timetable. Our lives and everything in them. Is according to God's timetable. And God's appointment. He has appointed the day of our birth. He has appointed the day of our death. We are to repent of our sin and turn to the Lord. Because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world. And he will judge the world by a man whom he has appointed. And although no one knows the day or the hour for this appointed time. There will be nothing out of the ordinary. There will be no warning that Jesus is coming. There will be no sign in the sky. There will be no announcement on the TV. He will come without warning. Like a thief in the night. That's what Jesus says in verse 42. Therefore stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this. That if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake. 
and would have not let his house be broken into. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And you know, in this sermon, Jesus uses the most solemn example of what the second coming will be like. Down in verse 37, Jesus speaks about the days of Noah before the flood. And we have to remember that in the days of Noah, for 120 years while the ark was being built, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Noah preached the way of salvation. Noah heralded the name of Christ. Noah pleaded for people to be saved for 120 years, but they refused to listen. They ignored the warnings. They became complacent. But Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be with the coming of the Son of Man. It was a normal day. In those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And this is the frightening thing. It says in verse 39, and they were unaware. They were unaware of the danger they were in. They were unaware of the judgment awaiting them. They were unaware of their end. They were unaware of death leaving them, judgment finding them, and eternity holding them. They were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. And Jesus says, so will it be with the coming of the Son of Man. So will it be with the coming of the Son of Man. There will be many who are unaware. They will be eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, living life as they've always lived it, until one day, on God's appointed day, the trumpet will sound. The trumpet will sound and the Son of Man will come. And he will gather all the nations, every tribe, tongue and language. And he will separate them one from the other. One by one by one. As a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right. And the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right. Come. You who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Oh, my friend, he is coming. He has come. And he is coming again. And so, you must, as Jesus says, you must be ready. You must be ready. Therefore, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Be prepared. By committing your life to this Jesus for time and for eternity. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us. Let us pray. <clears throat> o Lord, our gracious God, we give thanks to Thee for 
coming the first time. We thank thee, O Lord, that Jesus came in the likeness of men, that he died that we might have life and have it more abundantly. But we give thanks also that he is coming again, that he is coming to right all wrongs, that he is coming to vindicate his people, that he is coming to judge the world. And that, O Lord, that each and every one of us, we will appear before that judgment seat and give an account. But Lord, we pray that while we are here, while we are still on mercy's ground, that we might make sure we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ, that when we do appear, that when we see him as king in all his glory, we will know that we have been made like him and that we will stand as righteous as him, that we will be presented faultless before his glory and that we will go in to be with the Lord for all eternity. O Lord, make sure and Lord, we plead that each and every one of us, that when we stand on the shores of eternity, that we will be found in Christ. We will be found clothed in his righteousness and washed in his blood. Oh, do us good then, we pray. Protect us, we ask. And prepare us for what is to come. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. <clears throat> We're going to conclude by singing the words of Psalm 96. <clears throat> Psalm 96. Page 359 in the blue book. Psalm 96. This psalm is very similar to Psalm 98. It calls us to sing that new song to the Lord. And it's, it concludes very similar, in a similar way to Psalm 98 talks about the vindication of this world, the world that is groaning because of sin. And yet we are to praise God because Christ is coming again and he's coming to release this world from the power of sin and death and to relieve all his people from that power of sin and death. So it says in verse 10, Among the heathens say God reigns, the world shall steadfastly be fixed from moving, he shall judge the people righteously. Let heavens be glad before the Lord and let the earth rejoice. Let seas and all that is therein cry out and make a noise. Let fields rejoice and everything that springeth off the earth. Then woods and every tree shall sing with gladness and with mirth. Before the Lord because he comes to judge the earth comes he. He'll judge the world with righteousness, the people faithfully. These verses of Psalm 96 to God's praise.
Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.